is episode number two of Rent Bits Rental Talk. I am your host, Dan Doherty. Today, our guest is Charles Roberts, who is the president of Your Castle Real Estate, a big business with a fifth, I think, I think you guys are the fifth fastest growing real estate company in the country with over 750 agents. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Well, Charles, thank you for uh, joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I wanted to start out by briefly talking about Your Castle Real Estate and how obviously you focus on both the buyers and the sellers, but I'm more interested in how you are focusing on real estate investors. Can you give us a little more detail on the types of services that you offer real estate investors? Um, sure. So it's really a cultural thing. And let me step back. 20 years ago, I was an investor. Lon Welsh were investors. Um, we got our licenses 14, 15 years ago, truly just to be better investors. We just couldn't find agents who understood the investor world like we did. And much to our surprise, our friends and colleagues that we just knew in the investor world said, wow, you're an agent now. Can, can you do deals for us? And we, we fell into this world. We didn't mean to be agents, but we started doing deals and that was fun. And then pretty quickly after that, our friends and colleagues said, well, can we get our licenses too? And that's literally how we built this business was somewhat accidentally just as investors trying to be better investors. So we grew that and we grew it during the downturn and it was a great time to be an investor and an investor agent. Um, during that downturn. And then about maybe eight or nine years ago, we started to shift a little more towards the middle to be able to grow our business outside of just exclusively the investor world. And now about 30 or so percent of our closings are investor closings, 70% are owner off, but fundamentally that's who we are. Um, I own a portfolio of properties, Lawn Welsh does as well. And, you know, we're just known for that. We do a great deal of training and we you know, we, we, we reach out to people and we produce a great deal. Of so that's, that's our lifeblood. Wow. And, and that's all in Colorado. Correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. We really have no interest in going outside of Colorado. We did pick up a company called Shorewood Real Estate that had operations in Colorado Springs and Denver and uh, in Northern Colorado. So that's uh, part of our business, getting us over 700 folks, but uh, we're basically front range. Front range, and you said 30% of all of your transactions are currently real estate investors. Um, do you see a lot of real estate investors outside of Colorado investing within Colorado, or of that 30%, are those mostly locals who are having second homes, third homes, fourth homes? Well, let's see, to answer both questions, um, I don't know how to define a lot, but just this morning I was speaking to one of my clients who was selling a home on in Man East Montana in Aurora that she bought in 2010. She's French and she's uh, somewhere in Europe right now. Um, and then I have another client in Germany who's buying, but I would say, no, I would say the, the vast majority of our clients live close by. Um, and it, I don't think that has changed much over time. It's mostly local folks uh, and it tends to be, you know, smaller investors. I'd say our typical client is purchasing a condo or a townhome, maybe buying their second or third place. Uh, I've closed 37 deals with a client. So we have some folks who do more volume and bigger volume, but it tends to be, you know, kind of your mom and pop, just uh, buying properties, send the kids to college, have a retirement. I would say that's a lot of what we do. Last week, I spoke with Mark Cunningham of Grace Property Management and he suggested that the investors really focus on um, condos 
uh, in single family homes as compared to apartment buildings. Is that something that you would recommend as well, or, or do you recommend doing so both? So it's, it's a long discussion. I'll try to keep it as short as I possibly can by giving you my experience. Five years ago, most of what we were doing for folks buying rental properties were single family homes with a few little duplexes and some condos and townhomes sprinkled in. What I noticed about three years ago is that mix started to change. And so what it is, is we look for properties that fit people's profiles, but more and more, we were actually buying condos and townhomes, what we call small attached properties, and weren't buying multi-units and weren't even buying single family homes. So for the most part, I absolutely agree with Mark because what he's doing is looking at the numbers just like we are. And if you use a, a metric like a cap rate or a cash on cash return, what you'll find is that the attached condos and townhomes the last couple of years and even through today tend to actually throw off more cash than the multi-units and even the single families. So there are always exceptions. There are some folks who just want multi-units. There are some folks who never want to be involved with an HOA. And that's part of the process to educate people and to have them do what they want to do. But the short answer is yes, I know exactly why he's saying that. I bought another round of properties. I've been buying properties for 20 years. I stopped for a while and then a few years ago, I started buying some more and I bought seven more. And those were my first seven attached properties. I'd never owned a condo or townhome before and I bought seven of them. Why? Because the numbers told me to buy them and I'm super glad I did and I've done great with them. There's a lot of real estate investing happening within Denver and Colorado Springs. And you mentioned to me that I think it was yesterday or the day before you took a busload of people down to Pueblo. Are you seeing a better return on investment in, in that type of area as compared to Colorado Springs and Denver? There's a whole bunch to talk about in terms of, say, Colorado Springs and Pueblo. So we did actually just to take a busload of folks. I worked with i the investment community of the Rockies. They organized the tour, and I actually led um, you know, the property tour section of it, showing people the properties. And we brought 50 people down to Pueblo last Saturday in a bus, and we looked at the market. So what's happening is... Maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago, people started to say, God, Denver's getting expensive. So we started buying a little in Colorado Springs. And now Colorado Springs has absolutely turned the corner. In the last couple of years, it's become a really hot market. So guess what? It's stretching out and it's moving down to Pueblo. So I would say that without question, we were sort of a leading indicator bringing 50 investors down to Pueblo. Now, does that mean I can predict the market? Does that mean anything is guaranteed? Of course not. This is real estate. You take a risk to get a high return. But I would say that there's a lot of interest pushing money towards the Colorado Springs and now the Pueblo market. And I think that it probably is going to continue to strengthen that market. Um, what we found were the cap rates, the cash cash on cash monthly returns are better in Pueblo than in Denver for sure. I would say they're not, they didn't seem extraordinarily better, somewhat better. It's, there's no black or white answers. It's not like the answer is 1.4 or blue or something. It's, it's complicated, but it may be worth some investors going down and seeing if they would want to actually participate in that market. Since you've been in the business for so long, you saw the 2008 crisis. We're on a, a pretty big bull run now. Where do you see the real estate industry going 
um, from a local level here in Colorado and even from a macro level in the near future? First thing I would say is it's important to keep in mind that there really is no seven-year cycle. The last upturn was from 1990 to 2007 or so in our real estate market. Went up for 17 years. It crashed, went down very difficult, 25% over two years, and it's been coming back for about the last eight years. I did have a portfolio of 29 properties during the crash, and it sucked. It was tough. So I, I say this all the time. Honestly, you might be surprised me saying this. I honestly think most people should not invest in real estate. There are risks. When you have a bad day or a bad year, when you lose on paper millions of dollars because the market goes through a massive downturn, it is can be very, very difficult. It I and I did. I went down 50%. However, you struggle, you get through that, it's tripled since then. So in the end, you take a bigger risk, you work hard, you can make a lot of money in real estate. Now, in terms of today's market, it, it, surprisingly, I think to a lot of people, it's the exact opposite. There, there just are very, very few signs of this market weakening. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to sell anybody on the market or go buy rentals. Um, if anything, here's, here's what the dynamic we've seen the last year. The prices have continued to rise. The rents have actually paired off a little bit. And our cap rates, our cash on cash returns, are actually a little lower than they were a year ago. The data suggests to me that if anything, the market just continues to stay strong and even get stronger. Um, I just don't have a way of saying, yeah, it's a weakening market. It's a supply and demand issue. We have tons of demand for housing. We still have lots of people moving in to the front range area. We have lots and lots of millennials who still live with their parents who are gonna get jobs and get married someday and buy and rent places. We have record low unemployment. We still have low interest rates. What this is doing is this is just making our market extremely strong. We have more buyers than sellers. We aren't keeping up even close to the demand with construction. And the result is very simple. The prices are going up. So while I always tell people, don't try to predict the market, I spend all my day doing this. And I'm telling you, don't, because I can't predict the market. If you're in for the long term, Front Range, Denver, great place to live. People are going to want to live here. We've made a lot of money over the long term buying rental properties. And I am very confident we're going to continue to do well. Will there be a downturn at some point? Yeah. But basically, the analogy is dollar cost averaging. Do you know what GE is going to close at tomorrow? Of course not. But you put 100 bucks a month and you buy a stock portfolio. We do the same thing with real estate. We're disciplined. We work with investors who want to do it for the long term. And I do believe fundamentally in the long term, we'll do great in real estate. And I have in the last 20 years, even having gone through the worst downturn in 80 years. Speaking of supply and demand, do you see technologies and services like Airbnb where anyone can rent out a room or their entire condo or their entire house or apartment? Do you see those types of short-term rental services uh, affecting supply and demand and affecting the market? So two different versions of the answer. One is yes, obviously the VRBL model is maturing and people are doing it, the numbers are outstanding, you can make a lot of money, but if you don't live there, you're taking a risk. And there are multiple people that now work for the city and county of Denver who are trying to track down folks who are doing this against city codes and tell them you gotta stop. I actually have a colleague of mine who has 15 of these, he got nailed on one, he had to sell it. So you're taking a risk. What I would say though, 
The other way I would answer it is that for the, the little mom and pop people like me, you know, who own a bunch of rentals and people who own one, two or three rentals, things like that, I haven't seen it affect our market at all. It's actually a really good question. I've never been asked this before. And I'm not even sure if this is what you were getting at, but if the question was, is that VRBR world in any way affecting our world? I don't think so. If I had to sort of extrapolate, I would say, well, to some extent, it's reducing the inventory of rentable long-term homes. If anything, I think that would actually help us for the long-term. But the truth is, it's just a different market. It does has nothing to do with us. And, you know, we just buy stuff and rent it and make lots of money. Right. Well, and that makes sense too, even on the supply side of what of, of maybe taking stuff off the market that maybe someone was going to sell, but now they're making a little bit more money than been renting it out um, once every year um, and it's keeping it on the market. So that, that's an interesting way of thinking about it too. Um, I'm seeing a lot more technology entering the space uh, similar to Airbnb where it could potentially at scale um, affect supply and demand, which would help investors or hurt them. I think everything we're talking that, about now will, will help investors. Um, another new technology that we saw into the market two or three years ago, the first one was called Open Door. And I don't know how much they, they've raised, like over a billion dollars, but Open Door essentially um, offers owners in specific areas. They launched in Phoenix first, and I believe Las Vegas. They offer them a cash offer closing within whenever the the owner wants to close they don't have to tour the home they don't have to do any of that but open door is leveraging uh data to make a fair offer on a specific house and that's going really really well zillow um launched i think last year called something called zillow offers that does the same thing where if you're an owner, you can go to Zillow offers and if they're in your area, you can give them the address and they'll give you a fair market um, cash offer within a couple days, they say. And they just mentioned that they're going to be in Denver and I believe Atlanta for the next next round. Um, their stock got hit pretty hard, uh, 17% uh, on Monday announcing uh, Zillow offers and an acquisition of, of a mortgage processing company. But I'm interested to get your thoughts, even though you may not know much about maybe both open um, open door Zillow offers. Are you starting to hear more about these types of companies entering the space where they're leveraging data to make offers that maybe a real estate investor can't see because it's not on the market quite yet? Position is president of your castle. Um, so we're, you know, like a big independent, we're the largest independent agency in Colorado. And, you know, we're on people's uh, radar. So I get invited to Zillow conferences um, around the country and they're, they're, they're great. Honestly, they, they invite us, they have us come out, we get to meet with the executives and, you know, just have casual lunches with the CEO. And it's pretty cool to do that. And they're not selling anything. They're not stupid. They just want to get to know us. And that makes sense. And we do have some insight. So for the Zillow offers, um, I was in Vegas a few months ago. And I got to tell you, I was really impressed with the speaker, there were maybe 200 of us, because he talked about kind of how little they understood anything. It was so interesting to talk and have them say, yeah, you know, we thought we'd have this many deals and, huh, it's a little more complicated than we thought. And, you know, everybody kind of chuckled and ha, ha, ha. And what they were saying is they're trying. And I, and I admire the company in that they, they try stuff. 
And this is something they're trying. But as someone who's, you know, been an investor for 20 years in Denver and made cash offers and understand this, there's like no panacea. Like, great, they're going to make cash offers. I, I mean, how are they going to make money? Try being an investor and doing that. Do I think that they have any technology that is actually going to supersede the, you know, the, the 50 or the 500 folks in Denver who are professional investors out there making offers, understanding the market, working with folks and understanding the pros and cons and at what price they should make cash offers? No, I don't think, I don't think a company like Zillow will ever be able to replicate that. So I would say for all of those who are paranoid about Zillow and others coming in, it's just not something I'm really worried about. This market is not this market. This business is tough. You have to know what you're doing 80 hours a week. And maybe you can get an entree into this business and start doing things correctly. I just think that it's something they're trying. And if they succeed, great. But their early indications in their Zillow offers was, you know, they didn't realize how hard this would be. And what they said was that, Every one of the cash offers they made was so low that the owner said, well, no, I'm not going to take it at, you know, 78% of fair market value. I'm just going to list it. And that's fine because that's exactly how the market works. So I would say, you know, I don't want to say it's a non-event. I don't want to say it can't get to something better. All I'm saying is they realized what we investors have known for years is that, you know, you have to buy it real cheap if you're going to tie up your cash and take that kind of risk. And most sellers don't have to sell at a huge discount, especially in a very strong seller's market like we have right now. So I don't see them impacting anything. All great points. We'll see where all of this goes. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Until next time.